0: good evening everyone let's read our missions conference theme verse at the start of our service do we have that Janet the missions conference theme verse everybody let's read the missions conference theme verse is up on the screen everyone first Chronicles chapter uh, th- that's the theme song uh, um. <laughs> Janet I think you had the theme verse somewhere in the pre service it may not stay there. It's in the pre-service loop. I just think it fits perfectly with this first song that we're gonna sing. And um, if it's gonna be difficult to pull that, pull that up, you could let me know. It's gonna be difficult. Okay, well, uh, it's also repeated in Psalm 96. And Psalm 96 says, "O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Show forth His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the peoples, His wonders among all nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Amen? And so we have a story as this... Uh, Him says, we have a story to tell to the nations, but it's more than a story, it's truth. It brings life. The gospel of God, the gospel of our Savior is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so with that in mind, I invite you to please stand with me as we sing our first song together. We have a story to tell to the nations.
1: We have a story to tell to the nations That shall turn their hearts to the right A story of truth and mercy A story of peace and light A story of peace and light For the darkness shall turn to dawning And the dawning to nooning The kingdom of love and light We have a message, we have a message to give to the nations That the Lord who reigneth above has sent his Son to save us And show us that God is love To dawning and the dawning to noon day, rise When Christ's great kingdom comes to earth, the kingdom of love and light. Oh, I'm looking forward to that day when the Lord will come. We have a Savior a Savior to show to the nations, who the path of sorrow had drawn, that all of the world's great people might come to the truth of God, might come to the truth of God. For the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright. Of love and Let's sing that again. For the darkness shall turn to dawning, and the dawning to noonday bright. When Christ's great kingdom comes to earth, the kingdom of love and light. The kingdom of love. The kingdom of love and light.
0: kingdom of light and that's what he has translated us to. We've come out of darkness into his marvelous light. Turn to the person next to you and say you are are. a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people people, that you should show forth forth. the praises of him him. who called you you out of darkness into his, Into, his Into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Amen. We ought to shout this message that Jesus is Lord. He is Savior to all.
1: Men of faith, rise up and sing. to our great and glorious King. You are strong when you feel weak In your brokenness come Women, rise up, women of the truth. Offer hope to broken hearts who can know the healing part. We've been through fire, we've been through rain, we've been redeemed, part of his pain. We've fallen deeper in love with you, so we will proclaim your truth. Rise up church with broken ways, fill the world with songs again, of our God who reigns on high, by his grace again we'll fly, shout to the north and the south, sing Cause Jesus is savior to all, Lord of heaven and earth.
2: Good evening, Church. Welcome to night three of our 40th year. 40th year of world missions. This is our 40th year in doing uh, world missions, and uh, we hope that uh, you will enjoy uh, tonight's session. This is, as I said, this is night three, and uh, already we've been blessed and we've been challenged by the messages, the information we've received. And uh, I believe uh, tonight, uh, as a matter of fact, we were promised that uh, we're gonna be surprised tonight by the uh, main speaker. Maybe he's gonna sing for us, who knows? uh. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Um, But um, before we get to that, um, I'd like to um, Uh, call on uh, Mr. Eddie Bender of the Sunlight Ministries to open uh, in prayer for us. Thank you.
3: Shall we pray? Lord tonight we just thank you again for the opportunity to come to your house to worship you but Lord not only to worship you but as Christians to take something in and to give something out through the Speak of Service Lord at missions, in God that we might be challenged in our own hearts, in our own lives, not to look at the neighbor behind us, in front of us, inside of us, but to search our hearts on the inside and to see what you are saying to us that we might be sensitive to the Holy Spirit dealing in our lives, Lord. And we just thank you for the mission conferences that has been going on for 40 years at Calvary. There's been thousands of dollars that's been raised. But Lord, more than that, there's been thousands of lives that are being changed. And Lord, They've been changed for eternity to spend an eternity with you. And God, we just pray if your world tares, that it might be another 40 years that these mission conferences might continue to go. And we might not be here, but Lord, we will be praying from glory for these mission conferences that's here every year in March. And we just pray that you'll be with those missionaries that are going to be leaving this week some tomorrow, on the weekend, and next week, Lord. And we just pray that you give them travel and that you will continue to bless them and to continue to use them to be an encouragement and a witness, which I feel you call them to work in. And Lord, that you will just help them with the discouragement that they're going to face because we know Satan's busy and Satan don't want not one missionary to leave this building tonight in good health and with the determination to go and to serve you. And Lord, not only the missionary that we call missionaries, but Lord, everyone here tonight, the missionary, Lord, to go and serve you. And we pray, God, that you will just help their testimony and their light to shine in their workplace and in their home so that they might see Christ in their lives. And we just pray that you be with the speaker, that you bless him, you'll anoint him with your spirit, Lord, and. Whatever he has to say to us tonight, Lord, that we're going to listen, be responsive within our hearts to that decision, whatever you lead us to say. We pray these things now in your name. Amen.
2: Um, I believe we're all aware that uh, Pastor Lee is uh, scheduled to uh, undergo some surgery uh, this week, maybe tomorrow, I'm not sure. Uh, so he won't be here tonight. Uh, he's um, resting up so that he be prepared. Now, um, I'm sure you're all aware that uh, our theme is uh, missions in the modern world, and the uh, focus is on the church triumphant. And uh, we've heard uh, um, from Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night also, um, uh, last night uh, we've had various reports uh, of the uh, uh, church triumph despite the challenges uh, that the church faces. And as we all know, uh, the Lord said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we can believe that the church will continue to be triumphant. Uh, we have two um, uh, spotlights on ministry. Um, Ministry, um, um spotlights on ministry, spotlights on missions tonight. Um, and uh, first of all, uh, we're going to be hearing from uh, the Ralex, um and uh, after that, we'll be hearing from Pastor Wilney Joseph uh, from the Haitians um, Ministry. So help me welcome the Ralex at this point. Thank you. <clears throat>
4: God sent us to share the gospel from the extreme end of South America and Argentina and Chile, going through the deep jungle areas and Andes mountains in Ecuador, Peru, and Bolivia, sharing the good news with everyone till all will hear the gospel. Quechua, Mapuche, and Toba Indian tribes are included as they are very needy and open to hear the good news. We have always chosen to work with children from the beginning of our missionary life 38 years ago, gathering with them in open-air places in the poorest neighborhoods, summer camps, teaching Bible stories in rural or urban areas with troubled kids from destroyed families, in drugs or alcoholism, and children evangelistic campaigns. Hundreds came to know Jesus as their personal Savior, and churches were planted in many of those places. The Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint for the Lord to save by many or by few. 1 Samuel 14, 6. We could not stop singing in every event we have, because inspired songs, messages, transformed many lives. And we have only one example of that. Marlene was a deeply convinced communist in Chile, a right hand to the former president of Chile, Salvador Allende, who took his life seeing that the military troops were coming to imprison him. She said to us, I was convinced that communism was the answer to every human need. God did not exist to me. Married to an engineer, she had a son and expecting her second child when a marital turmoil started she looked for help in a desperate situation but could not find it heartbroken she left her husband in santiago the capital city of chile and went to see her mother in the southern isle of Chiloé. walking on the street heading toward the needed address suddenly she had heard the sweetest music coming from the other sidewalk She stopped and listened to those inviting accords, then crossed the street and ended up at the church door, which was open. Serenity called her troubled soul, and then gospel words talked to her. Through a song she repented, and now the whole family is Christian, singing a message of salvation in the world list. We are involved in young and adolescent ministries, wherever we go and touching lives of the gang groups and urban tribes by the power of the word. Only by his grace we have seen many coming to know Christ as the only answer to their empty souls. Throughout these years, many young Christians dedicated their lives to serve God as a result of this ministry. After radio ministry, after Russian radio ministry at HCJB in Ecuador, we are completely involved in teaching and preaching everywhere. We are the only HCJB global missionary couple to plan and lead pastors' workshops for the Southern Cone of America where we want to do whatever we can for His glory and honor. Men or women seminars, preaching and teaching in conferences, family seminars and counseling pastors who are dealing with problems and are worn out in this century of confusion and new movements coming to destroy the pure Bible doctrine. We have been asked to teach the Mapuche native indigenous of the country of Chile and Argentina dozens of times. In the extreme end of the continent, where severe and freezing winds are usual, and penguins and sea lions are common residents in the area. We have served in international, national and local conferences in Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, Chile, Germany and Russia and as interpreters many times. Many pastors and leaders among Hispanic, indigenous and Russian received their diplomas after finishing their pastor's workshops training. Humanitarian help and lots of medicine are provided to you by one of the churches in Buenos Aires. As the Toba native people and other tribes are suffering illness like tuberculosis, dengue, a a bone breaking and bleeding bacteria produced by the mosquito bite and malaria, there is no potable water, only a tank provided by the municipal truck. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to our Christian brothers and sisters Galatians 6:10. we have to keep going because his call does not stop and becomes louder every day for the need is huge in Hispanic countries there is tremendous lack of prepared pastors or leaders How can people hear or learn the Gospel if there is no Bible knowledge? Confusion, thirst and hunger of the truth, spiritual weakness and despair are what we see in those places. One pastor for seven congregations. Is that possible? Yes, he has to organize is scheduled in a way that everyone will have his visit every two or three weeks. Indigenous Toba almost begged us to come and help. We started a new three-year course seminar teaching Toba, the Khome people, the New Testament, is all translated into their language. They are the purest economically speaking. By faith, we go every three months and teach them. They have no place where we can stay, so we have to go and to pay our lodging. The distances are huge wherever we travel. Can we stop giving the good news? Is there a most joyous theme for us Christians than to give Jesus to the world? Nothing will last but the fruit that is for eternity. People who come to repent and receive Christ as the only redemption for the soul. Thank you for being there, upholding us and sending us as his servants. Supporting and caring family Comforting us in times of troubles and needs. May He reward everyone and each one of you with His riches in glory.
2: Um, is Elena with you tonight? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we, we had a, a little
4: problem with one of the presentation we brought, but there is nothing there, so we just made a change to do this presentation. That's why we didn't do the
2: okay. what we thought to do. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, do we have any questions for the RELX? None? What, um, Andres, what would you say is the greatest challenge your ministry is facing today?
4: As I uh, just mentioned, we are working with the Toba Indians is one of the tribes in Argentina, I will say the largest one. There are many people. In uh, one of the places is the province of Formosa, northern part of Argentina, going to the border with Bolivia and Paraguay. There are five, six, maybe 7,000 Toba Indians. They were living, you know, just very close to the rivers and the uh, different places that they liked there. But some of the governments, they just took them from that place and they brought them to a place where there is nothing. Most of them, they just live, you know, just very uh, close to the roads. In their very, very, very poor, if I can call that house, So many of them, they came to know the Lord, at at least in that situation, a very difficult situation. But many of them, they came to know the Lord. The, the, The interesting thing is that most of them, when you ask them, they never thought about to go to a Catholic church. Of course, they had their, you know, believing in different things as we know but most of them they came to know the lord and today in those parts not only in that province but in other northern provinces there are many toba indian churches they have their own language they have the almost uh, all the new testament is translated into their uh, language and uh, not the, the whole bible but many of the words they don't understand so i think that is (laughs) you know um, for them will be much better just to understand uh, the words that they know so but as i said many of the churches there are no pastors they call them pastors because there is one brother or two brothers that they they took some correspondence, maybe course or something, that very short thing, and they started to teach their people. but they never had a preparation, no, no Bible institute, no sun, uh, I'm sorry, seminars, nothing. Many of them, the only thing they have, the tool they have is their own Bible. So when we started with that ministry. We Brought some material for them just to, for them to prepare lessons, to prepare preachings, uh, everything they can do. So, I think, and as I mentioned, one pastor for seven congregations. Can you imagine? That? <laughs> the first time we met that man, we said, no, that's impossible. But he has his schedule, and he's trying to visit those congregations. Not like five kilometers and then the other five is the other one. No, 200 kilometers, 300 kilometers. But he's doing that. So I will say, as you ask me, brother, what is the biggest challenge is to pray for more pastors. And to pray for us because we started with Elena just last year to teach them the New Testament. They asked us. (laughs) We didn't go and we said, well, we will teach you the New Testament. They asked us to do that. And not only the Indian people, but all people in Argentina, they are suffering because of the false doctrines are coming into the country. Yes?
2: Um,
4: Can you use the mic, please? I think there's some...
5: Yeah, you mentioned
4: about a certain level of poverty. Um, I was concerned about the literacy level, um, in terms of people being able to read. How was that?
6: Okay.
7: You know that um, going around some Latin American countries, not only in Argentina, but maybe, maybe Bolivia and Peru and Chile, there are tremendous lack of of, knowledge, of, of ch- children going to school. They do not have schools, or maybe they are so very poor, and the school is so far away they cannot go. So we have those problems, and maybe nine percent of the population is, uh, that didn't go to school.. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they don't know to read. So with, the, with some Indian tribes, it is interesting because, and it is a great blessing because we go and teach them like little children um, with a, such a patient and little by little so, the, so they will understand. And repetition is very important.
2: questions for the okay well perhaps um, one of the pastors can oh what uh, is your biggest need you
4: the biggest need for now for to us is um, having more i will say like budget I don't know if you can call that. To buy literature. To to have materials. To sometimes pay our way, you know, when we have to go 700 kilometers one way, 700 kilometers the other way. But uh, also, what we are... uh, The need will be just to pray. So people will have the interest, many of them, to come and to learn the, the Bible and also the interest to, to serve the Lord. We are trying to, to do us everything as we can, but we are getting older. <laughs> no, we have no problems with hell till now. We hope God will help us and uh, he will use us. But I will say that many of the big problems in Argentina and all South America now is when we want to give some material to the people, we have to pay that from our, from our account, I will say. Many of them, they especially if they are Indian, Toba Indians, they have. If you lost them one peso, that will be 25 cents of, you know, of a dollar. Many of them they don't have. So we are praying for them also, and we are trying to, to go to different churches in Buenos Aires, especially the capital city of Argentina, and we are sharing the needs, and many of them, they are responding. They, uh, we can take some medicine sometimes to them. There is a very big need of, of that. Uh, concerning schools, uh, the Toba Indians, they have two very nice schools in that place. I will say since two or three years ago, so they can go and study there. But the, the poverty is, is very, yeah, very strong.
8: Uh-huh. I would like to know,
2: the distances are so big, how do you travel?
4: We travel by our car, we have a car, and it has 70, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> it has more, 85,000 kilometers, something like that, but it's working good. <laughs> we, we praise the Lord for that. The gasoline is expensive, it's very expensive, we are paying. Uh, almost $2 per liter, one quarter I would say, okay? So we have to pay like $8 per gallon. But if not, we will use water, you know. <laughs> but but the thi- those things are expensive. Uh, but we are trying with Elena to do the best we can and sometimes we are using some savings that we have just to go and to pay the way to where we have to go. Thank you for that question. Thank you very much. And we are very, very happy to be here at this conference. It's our second missions conference. We were here almost in the first, not in the first conference, but In 1979 see so we are not young people and then we visited I think two or three more times just like a weekends participating here at the church and this is our second missions conference and we praise the Lord for that and we just want to thank you the Calvary Bible Church for your prayers for the support And also, we praise the Lord for everything He's doing here. And we believe He will continue to do and to bless you. Thank you very much for these days that we are having, especially with uh, our hosts. They are very special to us. And they are giving just a marvelous time to, uh, to us. And all of you, of course. We praise the Lord for that. And please pray for us that we can continue in this work for God and just do what he wants from us to do to him. Thank you.
2: Okay, well we've heard the the challenges and the needs uh, identified by Andres. Um, They are financial, uh, they also would like to find ways to uh, support the young children to help to educate them. Um, And uh, there are many other needs and I I think um, we ought to do a special prayer for those needs that were identified. Perhaps I can ask uh, Pastor... Okay. um, uh, Thank you, Pastor Cartwright.
5: Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we... Thank you for bringing uh, brother and sister Relic to share with us their ministry in Argentina. We thank you for bringing them here safely and we thank you for the years that you have ministered through them. Mm -hmm. We thank you for their commitment and their dedication to you. And Father, we want to lift them up to you now. Having shared their needs, having shared their concerns, we just pray and ask my father that you would continue to provide uh, funding for them personally, but also that the needs that they face with uh, schools, medicine, uh, pastors. Uh, Lord, you know the needs and we pray that you would touch the hearts of those who they have ministered to, uh, those who they are ministering to presently. We ask that you would uh, raise up Uh, teachers, for the schools, pastors, for the churches, and continue to provide materials, Lord, so that as their ministry continued to expand, they would have the resources to enable them to continue this great and wonderful work. We thank you for your faithfulness to them over the years, and we believe that you would continue to minister to them and through them, and we ask your blessing over their work in ministry. Uh, we give you thanks for bringing them, and we pro- trust that uh, when they're scheduled to leave, that you'll take them back safely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
2: Okay, we uh, continue our spotlight on ministries, and uh, please help me welcome Pastor Wilney Joseph of the Haitian Ministries.
8: bonsoir. Thank you and good night. This is Pastor Wilney Joseph and a ministry here in the Bahamas. This year, the Lord lead me back again to Haiti to continue ministry there also. But at church here, the Lord bless us this year with many new converts. Not only that, we have uh, 30 youth, young people, who working together with us and uh, work with them. This group is from nine to 14 years old. And we have another group, five to eight. And last year we have a group missionary from uh, New York coming to help us in the Education Bible School. And who were very uh, uh, productive. Get nine of them give their heart to the Lord, and they becoming a part of our church. And our church in Nassau, we are uh, gathering the people with the bus. For that, the bus is very, very important for us. If we don't have no bus, we don't have no people at church. Except a few who can come uh, uh, with their little car, but this year we was praying like I asked that last year, and uh, we found a bus. It was uh, ten thousand dollars. So uh, we praying, praying, and the Lord help us, and we raised uh, seven thousand four hundred. And we give it to an, uh, a brother who had the bus, a uh, native of this land, and uh, he trusts us. And so we didn't go to the bank because the bank then won't give us the money. They say all the Haitian living, we can't give you no money. <laughs> so uh, we are praying, we praying, and. Uh, we uh, need now $4,000 to finish, uh, pay for it. But we have it running now, pick up people and bring to church. And God helped me find a driver because uh, I've been driving the bus so long, I don't even remember when I started. It was in 1975. But uh, now the Lord gave me one, and I told the people not to uh, use them all the time so he don't get tired and leave us. So you pray for this chauff- uh, driver so he can stay with us. And uh, pray for us so we can get the money to finish pay for the bus. And we thank God almost two years, two years ago, almost three years. And you remember uh, the, uh, the church here helped us with a car and we still driving that little car. Sometimes we use him as a bus and carry people around and take the people back home. And continue pray for this ministry. And uh, now, last year, I keep going Haiti, Haiti, every year. This year, I make tree trip, and those little village from uh, when you going in the west side of the island in the northwest, called Jean Rabel. And in that general area, there's a place called Cabaret, and there is another place. And they are all little church, but you can see them in the difficulty for them to do ministry. and But they come in, they stay almost all day and go back, walk back to their house where they live. And I, my heart go out for them. And I said, you all fight by yourself, let's join together. So I get the 11 of them. We do a association. So the first time I go, I went, I get all the, the passes. And we sit together, we examine, we make a constitution. And uh, for all of them to give the paper to a lawyer, the land paper to a lawyer, so the lawyer will be the head and to help them with this. And the lawyer charged money, and then we tried to raise money to help them. And now we form it. We, like I said, 11, we call ourselves Association uh, Churches in Northwest Haiti. So Association des Eglises Evangeliques d'Haïti. And they were so happy but uh what I, I have to do, I become their president, and we have a vice president haiti We get secretary and all the rest. I need a a uh, generator because when we meet, so we can do things. we need the office we find a place uh to rent who will cost us uh Fifteen hundred dollars for a year. It have four rooms, so when we go Haiti with the group, so we can stay in that place, and there we can have our office. That's, that's in port de Haiti. Most of the people we have here from Haiti, you saw coming from Northwest, in that side, and uh, it is not Port-au-Prince, port prince way eight-hour drive. I took. Uh, the superintendent attendant, uh, Wilbur Outen, with his assistant in December, we was going to take a little plane, but when we reached, the little plane cannot go to port Portepey, so we rent uh, a little truck. And that truck, and we took the lawyer live in Port-au-Prince, we took him to uh, with us so he can drive, and we stay in that road for eight hours. So, uh, Sometimes they don't say nothing, you know, those two guys in the back, and I am the front with the other driver. When I, I, we talk in Creole, we say, I wonder what they're taking, because the Bohemian, good road and everything is, but we take them in the rough road, and when we come back, when, when we come back, you say, oh, the road was shorter than we were taking. When we were going, it was long, but now it's short. They want to come back again next, uh, this year. So pray so the Lord will help them. Uh, to come back to see the ministry back there. What I have, what I want to do, is identify each one of them with a church in the Bahamas, even in U.S., who can become their sister church. So they will have a church, if they want to go each year minister, they will have a place to go. But we need a little bus, we need an office, and we need a generator. So pray for this mission, so the Lord can help us. And maybe you might say, what you doing now to find these things? We're praying and we are asking people. And we believe the Lord soon will uh, provide for us these things. I have my daughter. I talked uh, uh, about her last time I was there, Linda Nelly, Joseph. Nellie Joseph finishes college back in Montreal. And I, I, I thought this girl going to work to make money, And she said, "The Lord called me, daddy, into the ministry." I said, "What? You don't know how I suffer, and you think you want to go?" He said, "If God take care of you, you will take care of me too." I, I, I didn 't say nothing, no more. I quiet, and we didn't talk for almost three months. And then when I talk again, I said, "How the ministry coming?" And she said she looking at the phone because it, it thought I told her not to go. I said, "No, the Lord called you. You go." So she have difficulty to raise her fund because she have to find her own money to pay for. She working with the group what we call intercity Christian workers. And she worked in the children in university and college in Montreal. And she gave us story after story. Daddy, these people we reach for the Lord. They're going back to their country where they don't have no church. And they minister to the people. So uh, for me, I, I want to give all my life, all my life to help them. So this is what uh, Nelly uh, doing in montreal canada and every year he bring a group to uh, uh, guatemala to minister with these young people back there so i want you to continue praying for uh, nelly so the lord can help her and doing fine way of the archer supporting her only 50 dollars every month but she's happy because we do that for her so continue to pray for Nellie Joseph and she get married after she gets in the ministry. She gets married. There's another young man in in the in the college and who wants to do the same ministry with her. So now they they married uh, is one year now and they continue in that ministry together. So I want you to pray for us here in Haiti, and in Montreal. So this is a part of the uh, report I want to give you. I am thanking you very much, uh, Calvary Bible Church, for your support to us. Every penny you give to us, it go three ways. It go to Haiti, it stay here, and it go to Montreal. So I want you to continue pray for me. You, you can see my uh, days no are not going to be uh, younger. Eh? i getting older. So uh, we're praying so the Lord will open the door for this ministry to continue. And thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayer. And uh, maybe you don't hear from us many times, but we are here. And you, we know you here, you're praying for us, and every month we see that you contribution to us. May God continue to bless you.
2: Okay. Do we have any questions for Pastor Joseph? Yeah. Um, can somebody take the mic?
1: It's a common question. Uh, do you have an assistant pastor, and um, is he full time? Is he um, how many of your your your, your pastors working now? Yeah.
8: Yes, we have an assistant pastor. Okay. Yes. And what you is like what, what the, the number. Now we about uh, two and 200 But for our members, we have about hundred. Mm-hmm. How many of them working? I cannot say. Mm-hmm. It's probably uh, eight, 8 working, uh, uh, 50, uh, sometimes 25% workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the way, uh, I saw the. Uh, I want to sign to go with you and helping training. And for the mission in Haiti.
2: Any other questions? No. Okay. Well, um, can I ask um, Pastor Aubrey to uh, uh, pray for Pastor Wilney, Joseph, and the. the um, uh, needs that he's identified: the bus, the generator, uh, the um, what's the other things?
8: Nelly and
2: oh, Nelly, and there was something else you mentioned: an office in M80, uh, yeah. yeah, bus and office and
6: yeah. generator. Father, again, we thank you for, for your faithfulness to Brother Wilney down through the years. We thank you for his faithfulness to you not only in ministry here in the Bahamas, but also back in Haiti. We think especially now of these needs for a bus, an office, a generator. But we think especially, too, of his his dear daughter, Nelly, in Montreal, who's gone into full-time ministry and for the need of support there. We know, dear Father, just in these last several days here at this missions conference, the needs are many around the world. And once again tonight from South America and then from here in Nassau and Haiti and Montreal, the needs are ever so great. And so we just pray that in your will and time that you would continue to strengthen and encourage this dear minister, this dear brother in his ministries and those that assist him, that you would provide these needs, dear Father. We know that you have the answer. So we pray that you would continue to strengthen and encourage his heart and those that they minister to, that souls would be reached for you. Thank you again for this opportunity for him to share with us of what is going on in the ministries that he's involved in. For it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank
2: you. Coming now to minister to us, uh, please help me welcome all the way from Nassau, Bahamas, Mr. Tillman Bethel. Oh, there he is. (laughs)
9: trust that this song will be a blessing to you. I said, bless my heart today as I was practicing. It's only because of God's amazing grace that we are here. And I thank God that he was willing to come and die for my sins. And grace my face relieved. How precious did that grace appear! The hour I first believed. My chains are gone. i My God, my Savior, has transomed me, and like a flood, His mercy rains, unending love, amazing. shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God who
2: Thank you, Brother Tillman. I think it's time to uh, lock the doors. So This is um, uh, Dr. O'Neill's uh, final address tonight, and he promised that we're going to have shock and awe. So. <laughs> um, but uh, let me say before you get started, his messages um, um, to me have been very challenging. Um, he's um, given us a lot of um, a lot to think about in terms of how we can uh, further support uh, missions and how we can personally get involved. And um, so, um, I certainly am uh, thinking of um, things that I can do as a result of uh, the, the the message uh, that he's. Um, Brought to us, and I'm sure t- tonight um, um, we are going to be further blessed by his contribution. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to share with us. And also, he's. Are you going to sing? Um, thank you. God.
10: <laughs> you would really need to lock the doors if I sang.
2: <laughs> Please, thank you.
10: Go ahead. Thank you, Michael. Mm. Certainly, a joy to be with you. <clears throat> I think uh, <laughs> I just I'm shocked that people would come out on Tuesday night. <laughs> this is awesome. God bless you all. I promise you, you have extra eternal brownie points waiting you in the coming <laughs> kingdom. Nobody does Jesus on Tuesday nights anywhere in the world, and it's just great to see you all. I appreciate your impulse as a as a community of believers, just truly believing in the mission of God as exercised as is a community of believers it's a beautiful thing I've also had uh, the joy of getting to know your pastor and uh, you know where where Sterling and I served in Asia it it, it just feels uncomfortable calling Pastor Lee's wife Nancy in Asia you always give them a title of respect mom Nancy uh, for instance here I think you call her the first lady that, that seems to be quite appropriate. Had lunch with them today. And, and from uh, our lunch together on Sunday, and then having so much more personal time with them today, to get to know him better, just a, a beautiful picture, isn't it, of God taking a man, and all of these years, his singular commitment to the Word of God, and to equip you with it. It's a beautiful thing. I think pastors get wearied on the journey. Uh, They're an endangered species. I think you can speak to that. Um, So, when a man stays the course and seeing that his voice with the word has influenced a nation, I don't think it would hurt from time to time for you to truly thank your pastor. I will have the privilege, although the rascal didn't come tonight. (laughs) I think he was under conviction. (laughs) Tomorrow he has his procedure, but I thought it would be great. I would love to pray for him. I was going to ask some of the leaders to come around him and pray over him while I prayed verbally for him, but uh, in your heart, I think, lift your pastor up to the Lord, and I would just also like to pray with you on his behalf for this procedure tomorrow. And uh, who knows what God has in store for he and Nancy, but uh, by God's grace, many more years... Of service, We see the fruit of the labors of his toil in the word to equip you. We see the fruit. Just isn't it beautiful how he navigates the, the evening, the services the way he has? He's got that, that, that quiet confidence. And yet he's such a great stand-up comic. If you guys fired him, he'd be a comedian. <laughs> he'd make a lot of money. He's just beautiful, isn't it? Just a great thing. So anyway, I thought it would be wonderful if we would pray for him. Now join your hearts with mine, and let's pray for Pastor Lee. Father, we we truly delight in seeing a man whose life has been singularly captivated by your word. To labor over it. And to deliver it to the hearts of your people. Here is a shepherd who has stayed faithful to his calling. And we thank you. He has a procedure coming tomorrow. And we ask your help upon him, O God. Meet his needs, heal his body. In the name of Jesus, permit him yet, please, more years of service. Raise up voices with the same commitment to follow in his trail. When you step him down from this pulpit, may there be many men ready to step in to fill that void. Until then, O God, empower him Heal him, bless him, and bless this flock. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And uh, I think from Sterling and me, we just wanted to say thank you too. My my last message for you tonight. I've loved the theme. I've loved what you've asked me to challenge you with. It's it's exciting. I I. I Probably we came off the field in 1995 to serve here in North America. And I've done a lot of traveling since '95 onward. And I would probably, and, and speaking. And I would probably say, although, I, correct me if it's not true, at least 80% of my travels have been solo. Isn't that fair to say? At least 80%. And so for you as a flock to care about having Sterling come with me, to be here this week is just really special. Thank you. So on behalf of Sterling and me, to be able to come together, I, the brother was singing just now, and I just that extra minute to hug my wife, to, to bask in the glories of our redemption through song. And we probably take those things for granted, don't we? But I, I, it was just a choice moment for Sterling and me. She... she 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 leans over and she says, This. I love you. And I was too choked up. (laughs) I wanted to say back, I love you. And to be able to do that in the midst of a body like this is just really precious. Thank you very much. I still can't believe you're out on Tuesday night. (laughs) This is glorious. Thank you for coming. You've heard me these other nights. You're thinking, "We're out of here." This guy's strange. Uh, there, there is a there is a so what factor in the in the Christian faith, and I wonder if you would humor me for just a couple of minutes and engage me, and then I'll get into our text tonight. I'm going to talk tonight about when heaven is silent in the midst of a lot of pain and the journeys. What do we do when heaven is silent? But Uh, I think on the journey of faith, you've discovered that the truth is a whole lot more than just information, isn't it? Knowledge is crucial as the foundation upon which we scaffold our faith. And there's kind of this so what component. You know, you hear the word and, and you have to step back and say, so what? Will what's been heard and what's been studied and what's been sung and what's been prayed make any difference? And all these amazing testimonies. Man, I was just, every testimony, I'm ready to be called of God to come with you. It's terrible. You know, we're just sitting here as a missionary. It's like, God, I'm there. God, i there. I've got them there. It's an amazing thing. Torture to the soul, but it's a beautiful thing too, isn't it? I wonder on your side, so what? Could you give me a phrase? Those of you who have, are really brave souls with a strong Healthy self-esteem might be able to just speak out. Give me a phrase, a sentence, or a real, real brief paragraph on the so what factor. If there is any, and if there's not, I'll just get back up and we'll continue on. Sunday morning, thinking of the church triumphant, we started with the passion of God. And then we anchored in for a couple of minutes. We, especially here in the West, we feel that God is discredited because so many haven't heard. And yet, those who have never heard don't discredit God, they discredit believers. And we saw, really, in the passion of God is that his name be made famous. But interestingly enough, isn't it, God has ordained human beings as the instruments of the, of the communication of that glory. Now, if you were God, would you use you? <laughs> You'd think twice if you were God. God. I ain't using him. Sunday night, we took a look at Psalm 96. The church triumphant. And this call, this incredible call of a beautiful gospel and a gospel of great beauty. See, sing, sing, sing. Ascribe praise, ascribe praise, ascribe ascribe praise. Why? The cause. For the Lord is worthy. And Sunday morning, I challenged you to consider God putting a finger on your heart. Lord, I am willing. I am willing. And I think, I don't know, 10, 12 of you stood up saying, Lord, in my heart, I'm there. I'm willing. I'm praying that you might assign me to the nations. That's always special. Sunday night, I challenged dads. Dad, take a son. Mom, take a daughter. Take a week. Go out to Camp Bahamas, make a difference, and watch your kids see you serving, slaving, laboring, blessing kids in the name of the Lord. Beautiful thing when parents are in the game discipling kids. And we don't simply outsource the discipleship of our kids. Last night I figured you were wearied from my exhortations. So we, we took a journey thinking about our own personal faith. And our own task and assignment. And and you're here in Nassau, I assume, because God has assigned you here. And therefore you're on assignment by the Master to bring the gospel to bear upon your beautiful community. Teaming up with God. So we took a look at teaming up with God last night in the process of our own involvement. And I exhorted you, didn't I? I gave you an incredible compliment last night. Do you remember that? Remember how I told you you folk can really talk? Remember that? <laughs> And many of you have got a keen spiritual gift called talk. Some of you even ask excellent questions. And that was the practical application last night we looked at, trying to give you a tool. So, we a brief survey, and then tonight our last talk is going to be just dealing with the, the, the silence of heaven, which is probably the reality for most of us on the journey of faith. We only have a few moments, really, where heaven meets with us powerfully and gives us this incredible voice. Most of us live in the quiet solitude, oftentimes of pain. Well, look at that. And the mission of God, the triumph of the church. So what? Okay? So what? So is there, what's the difference? What's lingering with you? What is God saying in your heart? What, is, what has God been doing in your heart? Can you give me a word, a phrase, a sentence, a couple of sentences? Give me a word. So what? What's God saying to you? What's lingering in your heart? If anything, you're ready for the soccer match. Let's move on, Jim. Hmm. Loving others with his love. Which, in final analysis, do we have anything else? Now, we can do it in the flesh, but that ends quick, doesn't it? Loving in his love lingers. And it's an aroma, isn't it? Of life on the life. And for those who are perishing, death. What else? and I look at it too from the flip side, when God is not worshipped, man is always devalued. That was kind of my starting point on that. And I discovered that years ago out of the, when I was studying Exodus with Moses. Can you imagine as a culture worshipping frogs? Can you imagine as a culture worshipping a cow? Some of us have been to India and you see it. And yet watch how they treat human beings. Cows are treated with greater greater dignity than human beings. That leaves an impression on you, doesn't it? And somehow then our gospel breaks through and we we reverse the order. (laughs) Oh, the human being. Now, from our context in America, because God is consistently being dethroned, we're aborting more and more babies. Pray for us up north. It's terrible. We need to worship God, don't we? We need a fresh infusion of worship so that we can begin to treat all people, including the most helpless in our culture, the unborn. Where well, it's terrible, isn't it? It's, anyway, good, thank you. Another thought, please. I think from last night,
0: the so what, for me, would be, if I'm teaming up with God, it's a renewed sense
10: of purpose, and it's also, I'm never alone. Wow, so, you know, yeah. I go and do his work, and he's right there with me. Mm-hmm. Have you had a lot of alone moments in ministry? (laughs) Then don't we need that? Because it gets discouraging. You ever notice that? You ever been in your own ministries and it's discouraging? And then just be refreshed by a touch from God. And I think, God, do you ever get discouraged? One more thought, perhaps. You're dying to share and we want to hear it. I think. One more.
1: What stuck out to me is we have to give our children a cause to live for. We have to
10: mm. model
1: a passion in our lives. We have to give them a cause to live for. Otherwise, they're aimless. They have so much potential. What are As parents, what are you doing with that? How are you giving
10: them that cause? It's crucial, isn't it? Otherwise, our kids wind up being pretty aimless. Oh, they will buy a cause, won't they? The question is, which cause? Yeah, that's good. I'm going to walk up that way. Final thought? We've got to hear from a male voice. A, a male voice. Oh, men. <laughs> Amen, sister, go ahead. You know, sometimes it's tough living in an affluent context to say yes to God. You know, affluence is not always a friend of faith, is it? It's hard to release it, legitimately. Amen, sister. Amen, brother! A male voice as one crying in the wilderness. <laughs> Go ahead. what a great thought. Amen. That's good. Well, God bless you all. Thank you again. It's just wonderful to be with you. I, I, I had, uh, I've had meals together with you. Sterling and I are just enjoying our time. We had uh, uh, Richard and Jeannie hosting us. It's beautiful. Thank you very much. Uh, David and Jeannie, it's, it's beautiful. Thank you. And then we've had time with uh, Richard and uh, Andrea, and that's, that's just been great to, to hang out with them a little bit. Uh, Angela comes into town. That's pretty cool. We've been with Pastor and. Uh, and uh, Miss, uh, Mom Nancy, that's exciting. Last night, just an incredible time, we had time with, uh, who was it? It was Denise and Paul, and Michael and Ampusam, and uh, Denise's father. And so we went around the table at dinner, just heard, hear, hearing all the good stories, how they came to faith in Christ, how they met one another, and, and then they shared their, their great love story of how they proposed. It was really cool around table, and, and this was so neat. Last night at the table, Michael he was sharing about how he had met Ampusam, and uh, what was it in? Was it in uh, Malaysia? Oh, in the UK. There it is, in the UK. And it was just really neat. I said, "What? What struck you about Ampusam?" And he said, "This. Well, she had really long hair, and it came down to here like that." And then he was quiet for a minute because he's a quiet man. But I think what he meant to say was this. And I helped him at the dinner table there last night, just helping him give a fresh expression to what was happening when he first saw her, and, 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 and I said, I think what you were trying to say, Michael, is she's really hot. <laughs> and it was That's what he was trying to say, and, and, and it worked, didn't it, because uh, he got her, and uh, eventually she did say yes, and she's here with us now, isn't that great? So anyway, that was cool, Michael, it was great to hear your story, and, and I think it's okay to use kind of the present vernacular uh, with the kids, that's what the kids would say now, they, boy, she's hot, and I think Michael just needed some help. That was great. And can't wait to hear more of your stories throughout the week and find out who's hot and who's not. <laughs> That's great. You know, when you think about the church triumphant, uh, there's certainly a, uh, a danger in that to think that uh, the church has, certainly has her act together. Up north, there was a book written recently by uh, Dale and Sandy Larson called Seven Myths About Christianity. And up north of the border here, I guess west and north, right? <laughs> um, he said that there are seven things that our culture in America have, uh, broadly speaking, against Christians and against Christianity. Here they are. Number one Christians cause the ecological crisis. In other words, we're not sensitive to nature and the stewardship of nature. All we care about is souls. Number two Christians suppress women. Number three, Christians are anti scientific. Number four, Christians force their morality on others. Number five, Christians have done terrible things in history in the name of Christ, which is true. Number six, Christian missionaries destroy native cultures. And number seven, and probably the one that I'd like to anchor in on a little bit in our time together tonight here now, is uh, Christians are arrogant. And so anyway, uh, this survey was done of Americans and asking Americans, America, what do you think about Christians and Christianity? And as he was collating the data from his research in assessing Americans and Americans looking in on Christians and, and Christian churches and the Christian community, they were drawing these particular conclusions. Obviously, some of them are stereotypes. Obviously, some of them are caricatures that have been developed by a liberal media that obviously doesn't always like the name of Jesus, at least in terms of Jesus that is preached. Um, but I think there are other components here where there's probably a certain element of truth. I was stung by and I think we're probably guilty to whatever measure on that last point uh, as Christians are arrogant. And I, and I think there's something important to, to be heard as a culture looks in on us. And, I want to speak in a couple of minutes to that very thought. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 1. And, you know, you've been sitting this whole time. Stand up again. Please stand. I want you to look at your neighbor. And you just look at him and you say this. In Jesus, you're so beautiful. (laughs) And now you could say the subplot to that. Without Jesus, you're pretty ugly. (laughs) May I just say one more time? I is missionaries. This is cool. On Tuesday night, they come out. This is so... Alan, this is cool. Did you crack the whip on them? Uh, why don't you stay... Yeah, give each other a holy kiss. One more holy kiss. Come on. That's it. Give each other a nice holy kiss. Some of you are so unbiblical. Of course, it helps if it's your spouse right next to you. (laughs) If it's that ugly guy, you want to stay away. All right, stand with me, and I'll read through Acts chapter 1. That gives you a chance just to stretch a little bit, and we'll take our next minutes together in the Word. Acts chapter 1, a familiar portion of Scripture, where we're going to take a look at when we think about this idea of when heaven is silent, what we're going to be looking at is two or three points. First point, there's a crisis. Concerning the future. Number two, we're going to take a look at a call to the present. Number three, by focusing in on the Savior. Now, while focusing in on the Savior, I won't get to tonight, just for the sake of time. Please understand that this passage is saturated. It breathes a freshness of Jesus. And from chapters 1 to chapter 4, the whole fuss is over the name Jesus. Will Jesus please be worshiped and that's it. that's vibrating throughout this not only a new community being planted but what's the larger community gonna do with this one called Jesus that they tried to snuff out and so over and over again the resurrected Jesus the ascended Jesus the kingdom preaching Jesus the miraculous Jesus The the Jesus as prophet, the Jesus as teacher, the Jesus as Messiah, the Jesus as Savior. That's all these various pictures and snapshots of chapters 1 to 4. And so undergirding my conversation both tonight and thinking about church triumphant is really Jesus. Jesus. Don't stray far from Jesus. In our studies of the Word, don't be far from Jesus. In your knowledge of God and the Word and the Scriptures, don't be far from Jesus. In your dealing with other human beings, especially in their frailties, and you're frustrated with them, don't be far from Jesus. Keep Jesus at the center, and the intimacy and the joy and the aroma of the Christian faith doesn't stray far from us. Jesus is the constant balancer, both of our knowledge and our growth, and of our frailties. And somewhere between those two dynamics is just this winsome desire to keep Jesus at the center of it all. And when Jesus is at the center of all, it's beautiful. But uh, the further we go in the journey of faith, I think the more knowledge kicks in, and, and, and intimacy with Jesus begins to wane. So let's remind ourselves, it's Jesus. All right. Chapter 1, verse 3. Let's pick it up there. Reading again from the ESV. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, he's talking about the kingdom, right? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times, the chronos, the chronology of God's kingdom events or seasons, kairos, That's those epic moments in redemption history when God touches down decisively in the affairs of man. So the chronos, the kairos, that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, verse 8, you see that again, that contrast? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing up into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood beside them in white robes. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And certainly may God add his abundant blessings on the reading of his word. You may be seated. Thank you. Father, as we engage the text for these moments and enjoy the aroma of Jesus as an assembled group of believers, we bid your encouragement and blessing upon our studies. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Death, burial, resurrection. Ascended, 40 days. Resurrected now about to ascend forty days talking with his disciples about the kingdom of God it's really got their interest up kingdom they were linking that to an understanding that the kingdom would be ushered in by Messiah when Messiah would come And so the disciples were constantly hoping to be able to sit on the right hand and on the left hand on this the inauguration of this kingdom that would finally make a decisive blow against Rome and Israel would finally redeem her inheritance as a great nation and Messiah would rule and reign. The plan was foiled though, wasn't it? Messiah didn't cooperate with humans. Messiah permitted himself to be damaged to be damaged goods and to be destroyed to die and the disciples in those final hours fled in their braggadocia they would stand with Messiah to the end and the reality was when the end came they fled so if you're a disciple you've you're battling a couple of things can you imagine being a disciple at this moment that at the center of redemption history the greatest kairos moment in all of recorded history had come and had gone and the disciples flunked the test they're covered with guilt they're battling with a serious case of low self-esteem they had blown it a friend whom they had pledged full allegiance to, they denied. On top of that, they're still kind of hoping there's a, there's a plan in there when they hear this phrase, kingdom of God. This is good. Okay, after 40 days, they're slowly finding healing coming back, right? And right in the middle of it, they ask this very important question. Lord, is it at this time then that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? John baptized with water, but the spirit, you'll be baptized in the spirit not many days from now. So it's kingdom, spirit, baptism, John, kingdom to Israel. And Jesus would say to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has placed in his own authority. So a question is put on the table. Down through the history, believers have struggled with what to do with the question. Is it this time you will restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still hoping for the white horse, weren't they? They were waiting for the white horse. They still hadn't fully grasped yet. I don't think at this point that there's going to be an important season of donkey riding. They were going to have to learn to ride the donkey. Jesus came into Jerusalem on the donkey. And they were grappling with this idea that, you know, they don't want to do donkey. (laughs) They want to do white horse. Kingdom and power and glory. And I confess to you, on behalf of a human heart, I'd like to cut to the chase. Lord, I want the kingdom. (laughs) I'm wearied riding donkeys. And at this particular moment in time in history, Jesus takes their question and tables it. And he leaves it unanswered for 2,000 years. I, like other theologians, don't rebuke the disciples for the question. I would have asked the very same question if I was with them. I would have wanted to know the answer to that. So I actually appreciate the fact that they put it out there for Jesus to address. But isn't it instructive that a central question in their heart, even in the midst of their failings, their failure, their frustrations, their insecurities, their confusion theologically, still grappling with who this Jesus really was? God would take the question and he would table it. Which leads me to the question for you and me. What has been the deep question of your soul? What has been the questions deep in your heart that you may not even have asked your spouse? It's so deep it goes to you and God and you and God alone. And God hasn't answered you. What do we do in those deepest moments of confusion, of uncertainty, of doubt, of insecurity, of anger, the moments of profound pain, and heaven is silent? You know, for God's good purposes, and obviously he didn't ask my opinion, so... (laughs) I can't make editorial comment. Other than within the pages of history, in the scriptures, we see God permits silence as a tool to disciple our hearts. And how many of us, on the journey of faith, when heaven hasn't responded, we have chosen to sit it out upset with God because God didn't show up the way we expected to he didn't show up as he should have in that deepest of moments you feel abandoned by God and so you're gonna make him feel real bad by checking out on him you know how many believers have checked out on God because God hasn't measured up to their expectations? Could you imagine the disciples had they checked out on God after they put this amazing question on the table for Jesus and Jesus leaves it unanswered for 2,000 years? What do we do when heaven is silent? You have a crisis. You have a crisis in this particular passage. The crisis deals with their future. What does Jesus do, though? Look what he says in verse 8 again with me. A verse I think you're so familiar with, perhaps just for our few moments together, let let me try to give it some fresh cloth for us. But, if you have your ball pens and you like to underline, circle that word right there in your Bible, contrast. In contrast to the question, and the question being shelved, for 2,000 years, but you will receive power. I think what Jesus is saying is this. While you are waiting for heaven's answer, learn to live in the present tense. Maybe stated another way wherever you are, be all there. Do we spend a lot of our time wishing for tomorrow? Wishing for a better day? wishing for more hope for tomorrow. You ever been there where you just keep looking for the next day? And what Jesus is saying is, no, learn to be a present tense people. That should be a key mark of the follower of Jesus. That the contentment of today and the mission of the Master is enough. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses both and in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Three simple things out of this passage, learning to be a present tense people. I see in this particular passage there's a new community, there's a new resource, and there's a new identity. Now, where do you see community in verse 8? There's a new community, and this is instructive to me. Jesus says to his disciples, take high, you will be witnesses of me both and. In the Greek, two amazing little particles that typically mean nothing unless they're put together by the master. Take high, both and. Both and in Jerusalem and in Samaria, the uttermost parts. You know what the idea carries? It carries the idea of simultaneously. Take high. Simultaneously, Jesus is saying, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and I want you to be my witnesses in the uttermost parts of the world. Now say, how can you be both here and there at the same time if Jesus doesn't have in mind a community? Now here's the good news in my mind. This should be an encouragement to us. Jesus is not looking at the perfect when he says this. He is not looking at the community that has it all together. Here's how I like to say it. Jesus is calling the community of the not-to-have-it-togethers. It's a beautiful community. It's Jesus's. Do you know what the danger of Sunday morning is? Sunday morning worship? in church after church the world over the great danger of Sunday morning is that you look like you have it all together and you know deep in your soul you bring the burdens of life but we mask it oftentimes don't we you know what I love about being around university students and and men and women preparing for life and their life's vocations and high school students is their high idealisms the older I get the more life rubs me raw and those idealisms start to lose their traction in my soul you ever notice that what I enjoy about university students is they want you to shoot it straight they want you to be authentic and the older we get the more we camouflage in our conversations I've got it together we we've learned to use Christian talk in the communication process and we leave the real distinct impression we've got it all together now how do we live in a real world but truly communicate from the heart I'm not all there that I think is the challenge for the Christian church and that's what I appreciated about that study critiquing Christians in America we're arrogant I think we've communicated to our culture in my homeland that we've got our act together and we don't need you such a shame isn't it who is Jesus calling here the take high community he's looking at disciples who have blown it he's not looking at the community that has it together that's got all the answers that stood with him right to the end they denied their Lord they flunked the greatest exam in the history of mankind brothers and sisters that's good news and may I speak on behalf of looking at you four times you really need help that should be good news and as i made my case the other night the beauty of the call of god upon one in ministry is there's this broken wounded insecure human being who has found redemption and my contribution to the world is precisely my brokenness it is not my habit togetherness They look in, they see me as wounded, but finding healing in the Master. I constantly want to put my best face forward, as if I have it all together. And that's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to announce to the world, I'm wounded, broken, just like you. I have found a healer, come with me. That's the community of the have-it-togethers, or the not-to-have-it-togethers. That's why I appreciated the brother's song tonight. Shout north, south, it is in our weakness. His strength is made perfect. You know what? Those of you who enjoy leadership, leadership studies, I think. And this is sidebar, and then we'll get back to the text. I think the greatest document on leadership ever written is one that's never touched upon in the leadership literature. You know what I think the greatest document on leadership ever written is? 2 Corinthians. And nobody touches upon Paul's core insight into his leadership. He concluded, When I am weak, then am I strong. You know, nobody writes about that. (laughs) If that's ever part of a leadership book on any level, that's almost the last chapter. And isn't it instructive that Paul would say it's the greatest leadership lesson he's learned? Brothers and sisters, our contribution to this community is the fact that we're broken and wounded and we know it. And we've admitted it. And we just want to serve. It's a new community. And it's a beautiful community. Wounded and in your healing, you're this aroma of life the life. Beautiful picture. But not just that, there's power. So there's this new community. Now he's given us a resource. There are two key resources that God gives to his people on the mission of God. And the beautiful thing about this is this resource is not just for the uttermost parts. for our brothers and sisters who go to the nations. They need this resource, but mark it down. It's the very same resource they got while they were home. You have the very same resource. So when we're talking last night about Your personal evangelism and faith, you need this resource. Jesus says, you will receive power. Now, two resources God gives to us. This one, I won't talk about this, maybe a future time down. Let's talk about exousia over in Matthew 28. All authority, exousia, legal title deed. Jesus has been given father to the son, son to us. This one is dunamis. Dunamis, it speaks of a, a raw, brute, miraculous power. In antiquity, when two armies would go to war and they would clash against one another, in their swords, when the swords would clash, sparks would fly. As the sparks would fly, that was dunamis. It spoke of this idea of raw, brute, miraculous power. It's what God gives to his people, his servants. So I'm a, I'm a baby Christian. When I came to faith as a university student, And I and I leave this accounting degree and I go off to a place called Liberty University for prayer for ministry. 1978. 1979. A friend comes and speaks at our university from New York City. His name is Tom. And Tom says, I want sixty students on the streets of New York with me preaching the gospel all summer. And I went up to Tom afterward because I was in the Christian service office at that time. I said, Tom, I don't know about all summer, but how about for a long weekend? It's a nine-hour drive from Lynchburg, Virginia, up into New York City. And so Tom and I arranged, and we took two yellow school buses. Back in those days, there was these old, ugly school buses, but they were cool. And we, we, we loaded up students, and we went... Two yellow school buses up in the New York City and spent a long weekend with Tom. And Tom was this, this, this hippie who had gotten saved. And now he was planning a church on the island of Manhattan there in New York City. And he had a guitar and a harmonica. And it was really cool. And he had literally had a soapbox. And on the soapbox he would stand. And, and I don't know if you've ever heard of things like Times Square, 42nd Street in New York City. Maybe you've even been there, some of you. Well, that's where the theaters are. And so we would be doing parks and all. And Tom would be up singing away and sharing his testimony. And we'd get in a semicircle around Tom. And as an audience would come, we would just pair off one-on-one. What do you think about what you've just heard? And we would start to talk to them about the Lord. This was so exciting and so exhilarating. We did it a second weekend a couple of months later. And we're all up in New York City again with Tom, going around the city. And now we're, we're, we're at Times Square, 42nd Street. And right in the middle of the program, Tom's up there having fun with his guitar and he's singing and he's preaching and a crowd comes out and he looks at everybody and says, I've got a friend from Philadelphia and he's going to come and tell you what Jesus means to him. Jim, come and tell him. This was unscripted. So that it had been scripted, I would not have been there. I was, this was panic city. And so I'm off over here on the side and Tom literally doesn't even wait for me. He gets down off of his soapbox. He goes to the other side. He looks back over at him. He says, "Jim, tell him." And now, you ever give her battle with mixed motives? Have any of you ever battled with murder? I mean, literally. If I'd had a gun in my pocket, I would. <laughs> this was so. This was so way out there. This was something. I'm the guy who administrates. I'm the guy who organizes it. You preach, Tom. And it was just the funniest thing. So it, it, I think it looked at, at least two hours. Anthony, I kid you not. Probably two hours to get from there to here. I don't know. It was probably just seconds. But I'm panicking. You ever, you ever been there? Given a ministry assignment and, and no time to think about it so you could say no? And so I finally make my way up to this little soapbox. My knees are buckling under me palms are just sweating and about that time the theaters let out so the crowd swelled from about fifty I kid you not to about fifty (laughs) thousand that's what it seemed like I mean who can count at that point when everything's a blur it it was I swear it was fifty thousand you could embellish that to one hundred thousand that's what it would have felt like and I'm battling now with murder and I'm thinking Tom we're never coming back again, dude. This is the last time. As soon as this is over, I'm going to cuss you out. I'm going to show you an Irish temper. He's Greek, but I'm telling you, we Irish. And I've got Italian blood in me to boot. That's toxic. And I, I look out at this crowd and I. Hi. I'm Jim. I'm from Philadelphia. Off to a great start. And just as Tom had told you, I I grew up and I, I had never heard the story of Jesus. And I found out that the bad things that I do, Jesus calls them sin. And not only that, but that Jesus went and died on the cross for my sin. I don't know, what is that, about five run-on sentences? Almost like I was having an out-of-body experience. And all of a sudden I'm talking, but, but it's almost like it's not me. You ever been there where all of a sudden this power... See, I hadn't quite gotten my hands around Acts 1-8 yet. I had it memorized, but I, had, I was clueless on this idea of dunamis power. And it was kind of like I was over here with Tom looking in, cheering Jim on. Hey, men, Jim, let him have it. And I'm beginning to preach this story and this power descends on me. What was happening? It was the Spirit of God giving me power. What was the lesson learned? Get on the soapbox and the power comes. Stand on the sidelines and the power goes to another. Get in the game. We have a new resource. Do you know we as missionaries need that? But do you know the beauty of the verse is the verse deals with Jerusalem first. Where's Jerusalem? Home. What do you have as a resource? Isn't that a beautiful picture? You've got dunamis. And then he says this third thing, this new identity. Did you notice it? You shall be my witnesses. Isn't that like Jesus? To talk about both identity and activity. You shall be witness. Witness is something you do, isn't it? Witness is an activity. But notice what Jesus does. He puts this verb be in front of it, which speaks of our identity, not our activity primarily. It speaks specifically of how he sees us. In essence, we're his witnesses. So I might then ask you, who are you? You know, we're fond of asking that question. Who are you? I'm Jim. Who are you? I'm Jim, husband of Sterling. Who are you? I'm Jim, husband of Sterling, dad of four. Who are you? President. Who are you? Pastor. Who are you? Preacher. Who are you? Teacher. Who are you? Author. You see, all these identity markers. Who are you? I'm teacher. Who are you? I'm neighbor. Who are you? I'm husband. Who are you? I'm professor. Who are you? I'm missionary. Who are you? Here's what Jesus is saying. I am a follower of Jesus. Here's the key. Disguised as a husband. Disguised as a wife. Disguised as a teacher. Disguised as a student you are a great commission Christian assigned by the master in some really beautiful context that only he could fashion for you who are you you shall be my witnesses so he weds these two ideas together identity activity it's who we are it's the very essence of our identity who are you passionate Sold out, cross-bearing, follower of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This guy is dead. That's what I think Jesus is saying there. So, after a missions conference like this, Pastor Lee, he is burdened. God has spoken to his heart. And he wants to go back and take the gospel. He discovered his roots go back, way back to the Uyghur people in western China. And he's burdened to go reach him because he's found out that there are millions there and no faith. No one names Jesus as Lord. Five years ago, you sent one of your own to the Uyghur people. And Pastor Lee wants to take a team from the church as a result of the amazing preaching of Jim O'Neill. I'm supposed to laugh. And you're going to go take a short-term trip to follow up to see how your sister's doing in the last five years of her, in her work with the Uyghur people of western China. You all, it's amazing how quickly you all raise the money. And a team of ten, men and women, meet together here at the church early in the morning, get out to the airport. You're going to fly from Nassau up to Miami. You get here at 3 a.m. in the morning. Guys, you're refreshed, you're excited, the money came in quick, you look good, you look great. Ladies, you smell good, good showers, ready to go, full of excitement. You get here to the airport, you're going you're gonna to transfer your luggage over to a couple of vehicles. Men, you're very helpful. You help the ladies with the luggage, get it in, get out to the airport, only to discover that the flight's delayed. But that's okay, because you're still in the spirit. You finally get from here to fly up to Miami. You get over to Miami's airport... Pastor Lee comes back from the gate only to discover that the flight's delayed three hours. But that's okay. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's... You're still good. You're excited. You finally get on your plane. You fly across the United States to Los Angeles. And then from Los Angeles, you're going to be flying out to China, into Beijing. You get to L.A. at 6 p.m. and you discover that your flight's delayed six hours to, to midnight. By this time... You know, it's you just it's a little bit longer time now. Now it's been a long period, and, and you're a little bit more edgy. You're not as gracious to one another in this process. Finally, you board the plane. You fly across the Pacific Ocean. You wind up in Beijing. You get into Beijing, and you're finally there after at least a 15-hour flight. Pastor Lee comes back from the counter, and he says, Look, guys, we've got to get into a little bus and go across town to the domestic airport. And you get into one of those little sardine buses. By this time, ladies, the guys aren't as gracious. You have to carry your own luggage. You get across town to the domestic airport, and the pastor comes back from the the counter and says, Sorry, flight's delayed three hours. Now the problem here is it's hot there, and there's no air conditioning. See, now by this time, ladies, to be honest with you, you really stink. And you'd really love a shower, and you'd like a bite to eat, and just some rest. And guys, it's a free for all. You just say, "Ladies, you're on your own." Finally, you get on the plane, and you fly three hours, and you finally get into the city where your missionary is going to pick you up. You 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 arrive, you deplane. Guys, look at the gals, and you say, "Ladies, get your own luggage." Your missionary is there, and she's so excited that you've come. Pastor comes back from talking with her and says, Now, gang, we have got to go to the bus terminal. We've got a seven hour bus ride up into the mountain. And about that time, maybe for the first time, guys, you might be thinking, maybe uh, murder. Pastor Lee, he's out of his mind. This is really getting a bit out of hand. You get into one of those little buses. I don't know if you've ever been in one. You know, in some of the countries where they, where, they, where they pack 100 people in a 40-seater, and they put some on, on top, maybe even, you get into the bus, guys, you're so glad you brought your baseball cap, because lo and behold, above you are chicklets, and below you are piglets. And quite frankly, it stinks in there. And the ladies come and say, could I borrow your baseball cap? And you smile and say, no. <laughs> now you go seven hours up into the mountain, and when you finally arrive at the bus terminal you you get out of the bus and you're really wearied by now pastor comes and he says to you all okay now we need to get our luggage and our sister is gonna take us on a three-hour walk to her village at that point guys you concert consult with one another thinking about taking pastor Lee out Carry your luggage and you, you get to uh, the middle of the village. And this is what? At least 24 hours. This is probably 36 hours later. And you've had no shower. You've really had no rest to talk about, right? And you just want some, just some good, good home-cooked food. Give me a burger. And there you are. And right as you get into the middle of the village, you see it. There it is. Oh! (laughs) There it is. Oh. Oh! Oh, yes! It's here! You see it. All the guys get there first. Ladies, a little slow on this one. But you finally see it. There it is. Oh, oh, a good can of coke oh, oh, oh. it never tasted so good you're thinking guys as soon as you get home buying stock and coke And you just take your time and you savor it because you're hot and you're sweaty. And now it's not just the ladies who stink. (laughs) You guys stink. And the ladies don't even want to be near you. Pastor Lee, poor fellow, doesn't have enough money to get his own coke. (laughs) and you don't share a sip with him for the torture he put you through. Oh, and it tastes so good. Just one more sip, please. Just one more. One more. In 1995, Coke put in motion a plan such that by the year 2000, they wanted to have a can of Coke in the hands of every human being on the planet. Now, driven by economic models and success and prosperity, praise God, that's fine. But I confess to you in my journeys, and I think our brethren can... Bear witness to this. I have been to so many villages of the world where Coca Cola is there and Jesus is not. And I confess to you, it's a great challenge to my soul. Coke is the real thing. Let's rewind the script just a little bit you're walking into the village with your missionary she's telling you a story that they had a breakthrough just a month ago and that the village elder the leader the communist leader of the village after four years of conversation with her finally embraced Jesus as Lord and that she brought the village elders into a conversation about Jesus. And she guided him, and he led the village leaders to Jesus. You get into the middle of the village, and she starts to cry. She hears something that you don't hear initially, because it's a funny sound. But then she says, shh, 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 listen, and, and you don't get it. And then she says, can you hear it? You get a little further into the village and now you hear it. They're singing, taking place. She said, the saints of this village one month ago have just come to faith and they're so excited about your arrival so that they can thank you for sending me to them with the story of Jesus. It's transformed our village. Tears streaming down her cheeks. I wonder if at that moment you'll be thankful that the pastor dragged you thousands of miles to see that story transformed. A daughter from this church has been sent forth. Transformation has been taking place in a community. And I wonder if, from God's vantage point, Thousands of years this village has existed. Thousands of years. Never once has that village ever uttered the name Jesus is Lord. And now for the first time, it comes to God's ears. That my sons have come home. My sons have come home. My sons have come home. home. The passion of God, the glory of God, the team of God, and the mission of God. If Coke doesn't motivate us, maybe Jesus motivates us. And that's my final thought for us tonight. Let us not go in again to a village of the world where Coke is and Jesus is not but if we should ever see that we commit ourselves to mobilize ourselves to make sure we remedy that and so that sons and daughters can begin to sing afresh Jesus is Lord of this village Jesus is Lord of this people group Jesus is Lord of this city Jesus is Lord of these people the church triumphant it is the community of the not-to-have-it-togethers in their brokenness finding great healing with this amazing power given to them to share a story we get on the soapbox and this power comes and we have this new identity because our identity is deeply rooted now in Jesus Christ whether God calls us to them God assigns us here to them, or God asks us to send our sons and daughters to them, we simply respond to the call of God on our lives. We respond. Did you feel smelly by the time you got off the plane and off the bus and up in the middle of the village and really not wanting to be there? That's often the burden, isn't it, of the journey of life. It's a long journey, but it's a worthy journey in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for permitting us to come and join you for such a strategic week in the life of this church. You are a beautiful body of Jesus because you are Jesus and you are Jesus's. And I can't wait in the coming kingdom to see the fruit because God brought us together for this week in time in history, a kairos moment in which God is speaking to human hearts. May it be so by the power of God. My last time, may I pray for you? I'm going to pray over you, and then I'll send you home. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray this beautiful assembly of saints, they are the weak ones of the world, that you have redeemed, and, and you have brought them and assembled them in, a, in an, a, an amazing part of our planet. It's a beautiful place, God. And yet right here, you have assigned them to be a lighthouse, and a, and a great commission center to the nations. And so we pray for them, and we pray to that end, O oh God, That because we were here and thinking about the church triumphant and your glory oozing forth to the nations goes because it's your people who go. And you wed somehow in the mystery of your kingdom human beings with your glory. And then it goes forth. May it go forth, Lord, in great power, but yet great humility. Bless these dear saints. Bless the leadership. Bless these missionaries. Bless Pastor Lee. May the next 40 years double the impact of the last 40. Truly, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Maybe I just dismiss them right from here. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Go in power. God bless you. Have a great night. Oh, we're not done. We're not done. Stay down! Sorry. (laughs)